Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I take you for a ride on the devil's ship. I take you for a ride where you sink or swim. Now come with me and let this story begin. Radio legends, Terry and Ted. Ah, oh, shucks. Welcome, gentlemen. Legends, come on. Oh, really? you know I prefer icon. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with that icon. How you guys doing? Good. We, we couldn't be better, to be honest with you, Pantelis. Couldn't be better. Thank it's you nice very to have much. you guys together. Um, it's nice to be together, isn't yeah. it, Ted? It's, it is, it's darling. Nice. Sitting yes. here uh, in front of microphones, uh, talking yeah. to each other again, which we haven't done for yeah. 13 years, 2007. I, I said to Ted yesterday, um, this is, you know, we our friendship has never wavered, um, even after we stopped working together. But um, sitting across from him is a special kind of kick. Yeah. And that's what we've been doing for a couple of days. Yep. Why did you guys stop working together? What's the story behind that? Um, well, it starts with yeah. your departure from Shom in 2007. Yeah, I, in uh, 2007, you know, we, we were having a heck of a run um, in the, uh, I call it the aughts, 2000 to 2007. And um, somewhere in there, I don't know what year it was, 2006 or 2007, a guy arrived uh, who was running Shom and, and decided that... Uh, um, he decided that we didn't know what we were doing, and he was going to tell us how to do stuff. Uh, that's was he a radio guy or was he a corporate guy? He was both. Yeah, he, yeah. I mean, know, did he, he have radio experience? For, he had radio experience, radio but experience. he was a different kind of boss than yeah. we were used to. We were used to bosses who 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 res- had respect for us, yeah, for our experience yeah. and our ability, and knew that we did what we did and let us do it. You know, Pantelis, I I always believed. That, you know, radio is a very creative thing or was a very creative thing. And that, you know, you take two guys, you put them together, they do well, leave them alone. Yeah. Right? If they're doing well and you're you're getting ratings and people are buying commercials, tush pas. Don't yeah, just yeah. let them go. You know what, you know, An example of that is Pat Holiday, who's yes. one of the greatest radio programmers yes. in North America. Yeah. And I remember him saying to us, you know, I don't get it. I don't get you guys. <laughs> but it works. But it works. So he left us alone. And that guy worked on the radio in New York City. That w- guy knew w- radio. He knew oh, that's, yeah. that's oh, the yeah. biggest yeah. radio market. Yeah. yeah, he knew radio. Anyway, so this guy comes in and, and makes life really uncomfortable and miserable for us. And then our contracts expire. And he's in charge of putting our contracts together. And uh, he puts contract together with what I called a punch clock clause. So the very first part of the contract says, you will arrive at this time, Monday to Friday, and you will only depart not before this time, Monday to Friday. And I, that was the first thing on the contract. I, I pulled it out of the envelope and put it right back in the envelope. And I went to see him and I said, you know, I didn't get into this business to punch a clock. You know, I do what I do and I do how I do it, how I do it. 
So I'm never going to sign that, not with a punch clock in it. He said, okay, get out of my office. Oh, uh, is that how he said it too? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 uh, it was, it was, a it was a battle of control. He wanted control over us. He wanted to, don't you agree, Ted? Some kind, he wanted to assert well, some he was kind a of control, control freak. Right. And I mean, it, you know, we understood that he's the boss. Right. Um, but, and we but tried if, to be respectful. At the, there's a dance, right? There's, right. there's in, in, in our business there, or there should be, I think any successful, uh, morning program has been a collaboration with right. their program director, not a, uh, not a, it, it, when it gets dictatorial, to me, it's just not going to work. And um, it, about a week later, he called us in the office and he said, okay, I, I took out the arrival time, but the departure time is still in. And I said, at the risk of repeating myself, I'm going to tell you again, I'm not signing that fucking thing with that punch clock in and I'm not doing but it. But to understand... It's as if they're saying, let's say the show finishes at 2 p.m. Yeah. You can only leave at 3, yeah. meaning stick around for meetings. Yeah. You, you're, you're contractually binded you're to stay obligated to stay in the building. That's weird. Well, as you know from doing this, you don't you don't just do your prep during set hours. You're thinking about all the podcast time. Con- constantly. Yeah. And some of your best ideas and best preparation come outside of the studio during your daily routine. Yeah. So we continued to work without a contract. And while that was happening, about two weeks later, out of the blue, I got a phone call from a guy in Calgary saying, Hi, my name is Gary, and I, I work at Chorus Radio in Calgary. Nice to meet you, Gary. How are you? Uh, what can I do for you? He said, well, um, we're curious. We're looking to make a change in Calgary, and we're curious. What's the termination clause in your contract? How much notice do you have to give? And I said, I don't have a contract. Um, he's, there was a long pause, and he said, what? What do you mean you don't have a contract? I said, well, our contracts are expired, and uh, and I'm, I'm not obligated in any way, shape, or form. I said, I, you know, out of courtesy, I would give two weeks notice. So two weeks. Anyway, the conversation started from there. Um, I flew to Toronto to have lunch with these people. I liked them. They were very respectful and everything they asked me. Um, I, I liked, you know, everything I asked them, I liked their answers and vice versa. And when I said, you know, what kind of term are we talking about? How long do you want? Five years, seven years? Like they really wanted me. And um, I, it was a big decision. I, I was just, I just turned 50. That's a big change. I'd been, you know, become this sort of radio, um, you know. Array. Established. Yeah, it was an And estab- it's a whole different world. Yeah. We're yeah. talking about Alberta. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And when you go to Calgary, when you go to a new market, you go all the way to the bottom. You start again because nobody knows who you are. So it was, it was a very, very difficult decision. But Ted being Ted and the good friend that he is said, listen, do not let our friendship or our team stand in the way of you doing something good for you. He said, if you, if you think that this is the right move for you, you should go for it. And I was miserable. I was drinking too much. I, was, I weighed over 300 pounds. I was, I was in a bad way. And All that stuff at work made you anxious. Big time. Big, big time. I carried it with me everywhere. And uh, so I went to Calgary and uh, it, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, I don't want to be dramatic, but in a lot of ways it, it reset my buttons. It, it changed my life. I lost a lot of weight. I got healthy. I, you know, I refocused on a new challenge. It, it was really, really good for me, but unfortunately it put the end to our, 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 you know, our professional relationship. And then you decided I stayed count. I stayed at Shome and I was there for another two years and then my version of the guy who he butted heads with 
came along. And, New guy, uh, different guy. Yeah, different guy, but same same sort of, I'm the boss and you'll do what I tell you to do. And I was like, but, it's, you know, I've been here for this long and in this market for this long. I know what I know the market. I know what I'm doing. You know, it's been should, working. This should be, yeah, I'm not saying I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. You're still the boss, but this should be a collaborative. This is a creative endeavor. It should be collaborative. Yeah, it's not like and, we were saying we know everything. That's not what we were saying. We were let saying, us do what we know. We, what we, we know say- what works, and it has worked. Right. And again, I go back to Pat Holiday, who I, neither one of these guys could carry Pat Holiday's lunch. No. and Pat left us alone because he, you know, again, he said, "I don't get it." I don't, you know, I <laughs> but listen, I know it works. I to it, and I yeah. don't get it, but it's I know it's it works, there. and so uh, you know, there. so and so he left us alone. So and anyway, I ended up leaving uh, a couple of years later. Terry was still in Calgary, so. We, you know, we just, we went our separate ways and, uh, but we always remained in, in contact. Yeah, good friends. And, uh, yeah, on a regular basis, yeah. not like once every whatever. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the friendship had never, has never waned. And, uh, and look at us now. Yeah. <laughs> well, what prompted the return to Montreal? Because when you came back to Montreal, you almost instantly took over the English radio scene. Um, I was, um, I was into my third year, I think in Calgary at a five year deal. And, um, uh, I think I was, I was well into my third or going into my fourth year. I can't remember which. And I got a phone call from, uh, the guy that was running Shom, And he said to me, uh, Hey TD, I'm, I'm coming into town. You want to have dinner? I said, sure. Let's have dinner. So I um, I picked him up as, at his hotel, and we went to a favorite Italian restaurant of mine in Calgary. And um, we sat down, and, you know, the drinks were waiting for drinks. And uh, I said, so, you know, what are you doing in town? Uh, he said, oh, I'm here for a meeting. I said, oh, yeah, when are you going back? He said, tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning? You just fucking got here. He said, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm at my meeting now. And me, <laughs> me I'm like, you know, I'm like, huh? what <laughs> and uh it you know i said what do you mean you're at me here meeting now he said tara i'm here to talk to you and i said about what <laughs> it's like just like a child you know, what i it you know it it was such a shitty end i thought it's i'm never going back there, and it's it, so surprising because yeah. he never warned you yeah, yeah I, I, he couldn't possibly be asking me to come back and he said to me he said listen he said, since you left, you know, when you and Ted, uh, you know, since you and Ted, we haven't been able to get the the station, the morning show share over over uh, 19. He said, you and Ted had like a 22 or 23, whatever it was, I don't remember. He said, we, we, we just, we've tried everything. We can't get it uh, over over 20 and, and we want you to come home. And I was like, what the, f- What? So I, you know, I was faced with another really big decision. Did I want to go back to Montreal? Did I want to? And 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 uh, anyway, I, you know, I don't want to go on and bore everybody about the. No, oh, this is interesting. This, okay, this is history. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I in Calgary, I was making a lot of money. I had a nice house. I lived close to the Rockies, and I was very happy there. Did you own a horse? I did not own a horse. Yeah, if you're in Calgary, you better live the lifestyle, sir. But I had two cowboy hats. Okay, at least you get there. You were so close. If they didn't pull you back here, I, I, yeah. you would have had a pony at the very yeah, least. Yeah, yeah. I probably eventually would have got a horse, yeah. I guess, because I needed something to go with my cowboy hats. I still have those cowboy hats, by the way. And um, I, uh, 
the problem was the guys that I was working for in Calgary, they they didn't really know. You know, I warned them. I said, I, I have a style that's going to take a couple of years to get going. And, uh, you know, there was a recession in 2008, and, and, and things, things weren't going great. Uh, I couldn't get them to market me. They didn't seem to be that interested. And I thought, oh, well, you know, we'll see what happens at the end of five years. I'll bank the money, and then yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. But now I'm presented with this, um, this opportunity to come back to Montreal, and I wondered if anybody would care about it. And, you know, was I going back and, and everybody would say, well, that old guy again. But Shom offered me eight-year deal. That Those days, that will never happen in the radio business again. Oh, I, no, you're lucky they offer you a three-month contract so now. I had, get, get this, Pantelis. I had a five-year guaranteed deal. So that meant if I signed that contract... And after two years, they wanted to fire me. That to pay me for five, because I said to my boss, "I'm not moving all my shit and everything back without a guarantee." Yeah. So you guys called me. Said, Do you want to commit? They committed to five, and put in an option for three. And um, when I got, you know, when we were in conversations, I said, "What about Ted? You know, how about you reunite me and Ted?" And there were a lot of people in the industry that thought that that was a good idea, but the guy who was asking me to come home did not think that was a good idea because he had a personal... Um, yeah, when I left, I... I had really, a rivalry. I, well, I really burned that bridge when I left. It was like <laughs> what, not just one flamethrower, but one in each hand. How did you How did you walk out Well, with his dick in your hand? Like, what well, happened? No, no, not really. No, I think, I think what, what really burned his ass was I wrote a blog when my... Uh, like, when, when I left, they there was a clause in my contract that... If I left, then then they would pay me for three months, and in the period of that three months, if I did anything untoward, then that clause would be canceled. So at the end of three months, I po- I posted a blog titled "Here's What Happened at Shome." Okay. And I told the story of uh, from my perspective of what happened at Shome, and I didn't pull any punches. A lot of expletives. Um, no, not really. I just didn't pull any punches, and some feelings got hurt. Yeah. Okay. And and so he was, uh, you know, his ego was bruised. So, so there was there was no going back to Shome for me as long as he was the guy who. And was, was in he correct in what he said? Did he overdo it, or was was uh, was Ted correct? I don't remember. You know, the, you know what he, you know what he didn't like was I, I referred to him. I didn't refer to him by name, but I referred to him as a corporate errand boy. Yeah, there you go. Because so. after I, after I resigned from Shome, he came to me when the three months was almost up. He came to me and said, "I'll tell you what. Why don't you come back and work at CJAD? Uh, but you'll have to take a pay cut." Yeah. And I said, "Well, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do that." And so in the blog, I said. They sent one of their corporate errand boys to try to entice me back at a discount, and I declined. And he was, I heard through the grapevine that he was very offended by that reference. And so... Them's uh, fighting words. Well, them's fighting words. And then when I, I ended up at TSN 690 on the morning show, and when Bell purchased Astral Media, and this guy was, was the head honcho at Astral Montreal, Bell put him in charge oh. of... TSN 690, and his first order of business was to show me the door. So it was, and, pay, it was payback time, and, uh, and well, listen, that's the way it goes. Yeah, yeah. and this this was uh, you know uh, around the time when um, radio stations were being bought up en masse 
by just a couple of companies and they were consolidating their power. So, for example, now in Montreal, Bell owns four of five commercial English radio stations. So Virgin, TSN, CJD, and Shome are all owned by Bell Media, and Kojiko owns the beat. He okay. say two. And then you have CBC, but that's that's not a you know that's a that's a publicly funded thing. It's a different thing. So a waste of money. Yeah. So now you know, like I, I laughed when when uh, after my quote unquote retirement, people said, "Surely to God, he's going to turn up somewhere." And I said, "I'm not turning up anywhere because there's nowhere for me to turn up in Montreal. It's over. It's over." Also, the whole what bugs me about you is the retirement. Why did you need to retire? Well, I did. You look, you look all energetic. <laughs> he still sounds pretty good, yeah. doesn't he? I didn't. Um, I didn't. I didn't need to retire. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, I didn't want to retire. There was a discussion um, back, you know, after the five years of the eight-year deal, they had to exercise the option, and I said to them. Um, they took me to dinner and I said, just so you know, um, I'm not getting out of bed in the middle of the night for a penny less than I'm making now. So if you're here to exercise the option and ask me to take a pay cut, I'm not doing it. And we had a discussion. Was that, that their plan? Yeah. I, um, I think so. Um, I don't know for sure, but I think so. And, but they, they said, okay. And we, we did a little bit of a deal. I swapped a little bit of money for some extra holidays. Okay. And we came to an agreement, and at that meeting, almost four years ago now, they said, and then we'll discuss what to do next. And I said, you know, that may be time for me to retire. So fast forward to last year, last summer, June of 2020, I had lunch with the then boss. I said, so... In a year, you know, the contract's going to be up in May. And uh, he said, yeah, and, um, you know, we've we got a retirement celebration planned. I said, oh. <laughs> I'm so retiring. He, he set up your retirement <laughs> yeah. celebration. Well, they, they ran under the assumption that I was going to retire. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, what I thought was unbelievably disrespectful was nobody asked. Yeah, that's what isn't that nobody, something you want to verify? Nobody said to me, hey, uh, we kind of like you. Do you want to maybe stick around for another year? I thought, to be honest with you, Pantelis, I thought what a good plan would be, what I was secretly hoping for, was they, they would have come to me and said, you know what, why, why don't you finish out the year? Or how about we sign you for another year and we'll get through COVID? Yeah, together. Right? And then we'll we'll launch a new morning show and what. But that's not the way the business works anymore. I was making a six-figure salary that they wanted off the books. And I understood that. I understand the business and believe me, while we're telling this story, I don't I'm not looking for sympathy. I had a great run. I enjoyed myself. The the people at the radio station at the corner of Papineau and René Levesque, the my confrères, my colleagues were all very respectful and did the best they could to celebrate my career over the month of May. They put a nice little sort of salute together. Yeah. But nobody ever asked me what I wanted. Nobody said, "Hey, 
Are, are you sure about this? Do you even the prime minister tweeted? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it it I, I'll be honest with you. I I you know I've told you this before. There was nothing for me. There was nothing to be gained by me saying, "Oh, they didn't mask me." I'm a I'm a grown ass man. I know how the business works. Yeah. I thought, be dignified. Pretend that you're you're retiring and and you know go out with your head up. Don't don't get into all the machinations of the business. It wouldn't change anything anyway. No, nah, it wouldn't change anything. So I, I I went along with it and people were very kind and like I said, the people in the building, you know, the 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 people who were responsible for daily day day to day business at Shome were very respectful. They, you know, the marketing people, the program director, they all worked very hard to send me off with a with a, you know, a nice send-off. But the footprint of Bell is on my back because in my opinion, they they just wanted me out. So they they never asked me if I wanted to stay. They were Quite happy to have my salary off the books. That's that's what it looks like. That's what it feels like. Well, they had to because that's that's what happened. Because nobody said to me, um, "Hey, would you like to stick around for another year, or are you or you you really want to retire?" Why no, would you need to stick around? I mean, they understand radio, nobody, and everybody listens to radio to catch their favorite hit song. Because there's no other way. <laughs> To get your favorite song, but by chance on the radio. Are you being, yeah. So why he might be. Uh, he, why would you need real people? Yeah. 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 Why would you need real people having conversations? Who would tune into that? That's I crazy. Offered, I offered to write a blog for him, <laughs> <laughs> and I also offered him my flamethrowers, but he uh, he graciously declined because where I took the real, uh, low road, he took the high road. Yeah, Ted calls and, you. Do you have a publicist? Because yeah. I'm I'm not bad at this. I'm not bad. I've I've got a good track record. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, listen, I I had a we we had a great run. He's he's still having it. We had a great run. Yeah, he's still and, doing it. And uh and I I've got absolutely nothing to complain about and I'm not looking for, you know, oh, poor you. Nobody asked you. No, no, no. But, this is but, I love that you're actually giving the story of what yeah. happened because no one would ever be able to know otherwise. Yeah. And and I and I think and and Ted would tell me if he thought I was full of shit. I think, you know, somebody who's been, you know, let's say your watchmaker at yeah. your jewelry store, and your watchmaker's been there for thirty-seven years, and and he says to you, "I want to retire." You, you know, I think you say to him, you know, we love having you. Are you sure you want to retire? And let's set up how you're going to retire. It wouldn't yeah. be like I want to retire. Like, all right, grab your things. Yeah. <laughs> And Get I, out. And I and I had some I I had some experience, you know, in the nineties when I was chosen to succeed George Balkan. They did it right. George announced his retirement. There was some moment of reflect you know, a few weeks or months of reflection. And then George announced that I would be succeeding him. And George said to the audience, this is a, a, a nice young man that you're going to enjoy. And I, I want to wish him well. And there was a, a nice change of the guard. You they know? did it right because different people owned the company. Right. And different people right. were running the radio station. Right. Radio people yeah. were in charge. Radio people owned the company. Yeah. There, was a, there was a seismic shift in the industry 
in the uh, the early two thousands when when families uh, two in particular the Waters family which owned the Chum radio chain and the Slate family which owned the Standard radio chain which we worked for actually we worked for both Shome eventually was sold by the Waters family to the Slate family. Anyway, when radio families were in charge, the radio people, radio professionals owned the radio stations and hired radio people to run the radio stations. So they were run a lot differently than when the families sold to the corporations, which I don't begrudge them. If someone offered me a billion dollars for my stuff, I would. I'd probably say yes too. <laughs> but you can't take it back. You already offered it. Yeah. <laughs> but every, everything everything changed when it went from a, from being a family business to being a corporate business. Everything changed, and for us and people who do what we do, it did not change for the better. And how was it for you guys? Because you had to live during the time when Howard Stern's syndication started taking over North America. How did you guys live that? Well, we um, we had to live that because when we were at Mix 96, Shom brought Howard Stern in to do the morning show. And uh, in the beginning, he wiped the floor with everybody. Yeah. We, we, we hated it at the time because it felt like, you know, it, it felt like um, it, was, it was David and Goliath, right? There, it felt like, um, you know, you were standing on the street and Godzilla came around the corner and was going <laughs> to, you know, just stamp you out. And as a matter of fact, Howard, back in those days, he, one of the things that he used to do when he was going into new markets and syndication, he used to say he was going to buy burial plots. And, um, for the local radio yeah, teams, and, morning and shows. One of, one of the, you know, it's a great source of pride for us that, we were mentioned on the Howard Stern show back in the '90s when he said uh, these, 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 these. His something. very first show in yeah. Montreal, he Terry says, "I Ted. don't know who the com- yeah. competition is. A couple of guys named Terry and Ted, yeah. but you know, fuck." Yeah, these guys, these useless arseholes, or something like that. And there, and there, there was, um, there was a rumor that he had bought a burial plot for us, and that's amazing, and also. Um, everybody was talking about him and our friends were saying to us, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go work? Oh, like it's so yeah. obvious that yeah, you're, like, yeah. done. You're, you're, you're done. You're done. You're yeah. cooked. You're done. Howard, Howard's in town. You're, you're, you're fucking done. I'm curious about something and I can ask you guys and hopefully you can answer. So at the time Howard was doing the reason why he became, let's say the king of all media, all that is because he was doing whatever he wanted and he didn't have a short leash. Were you guys allowed to fight on his terms, or would the stations here be like, no, 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 no well, you can't go that far? Because how do you compete? Well, here's what happened. Our general manager, Rob Braid, uh, who is a, a very smart radio guy, said Terry, to Terry, I brought some hookers in. Interview him. <laughs> well, <laughs> after the hookers. <laughs> and it wasn't for an interview. <laughs> no. Uh, Rob said, and he had he he had researched it. Rob said the way that you beat Howard Stern or compete, the way you compete with Howard Stern is with strong local personalities. You guys are strong local personalities, so just do what you do, and everything will be okay. And I don't know how long it took. Um, 
I think it was a, a it was year, a year or so. anyway. Yeah, I think yeah. they tossed him out because he said something about uh, the French community. Well, here. He, did, oh, he did that he did right that out of the, the first day. They ultimately, the first day, he yeah, yeah. Shit. They ultimately <laughs> tossed him out because the because his ratings, which were through the roof in the beginning, yeah, because it, it was like something this. so new and shocking, people got upset. That everybody had to listen. A friend of mine described it as, and and my, a friend of mine who was one of the, "What are you guys going to do? You're fucked." He <laughs> said he described it as like watching pornography. He said for the first little bit, it was absolutely fascinating, and then it became the same thing over and over again. So what happened was we eventually uh, surpassed him in the ratings once again, and I think it was during his tenure at Shome that we had our best ratings period Oh, wow. Ever. Yeah, and that's not to say that Howard Stern no, isn't very listen. good at what he does. Oh, clearly we, he is, yeah. We, yeah. But know. he has since changed his style. Yeah. He does a yeah. different style now than he was doing. We, yeah, yeah, obviously. We, you have to evolve. We have, uh, you know, we, we we mentioned Howard because, you know, we we couldn't carry his lunch, to be honest with you. You know, co- what compared to what he's done, you know, he's he's a um, he's a groundbreaker. Yeah. You know, he he is the reason Sirius XM is still around. You know, he changed the face of broadcasting and broadcasters. Um, and as Ted has pointed out, I've listened to a lot of Howard Stern in the last 10 years. His interviews are spectacular. And uh, he's he's grown as a man and and evolved as a person, yeah. and he's brought that with him to you know become the, the the massive icon that he is today. I think instead of doing instead of talking to Hank the Drunken Dwarf, yeah. now he has like Paul like, McCartney on. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And does really good yeah. interviews, and 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 he gets them to relax, and he's really good at it. And he, and we have an immense amount of respect for him. But at, it, during that period, obviously, we yeah. we were freaking out. But you know. Uh, now that we look back on it, it was pretty cool. We got to work in a market against Howard Stern. Which is such a, yeah, not many people lived through that, no. survived, and could talk about it now. <laughs> yeah. And ultimately, we stayed the course at the, at the strong what, urging yeah. Of, yeah. of our boss. And we had the support, right? The, our boss said to it, look, you're going to get your ass kicked. <laughs> you know, the ratings are going to go in the toilet. Just relax. Just keep your hands on the steering wheel. Don't panic. Just keep doing what you do," he said. "I'm telling you, we're going to come out the other side of this. That's that's radio people running radio stations who understand the medium. That we were lucky to have that kind of support. Yeah, exactly and, the opposite of the guy who ran him out and the other guy who eventually ran me out. And when in recent times, when when was that shift that happened when you guys stopped being allowed to really be yourselves, your characters, and it fucking became this whole. Every 15 minutes, remind people of what the time is. Don't talk too much. Give them a song. Because like I said, wow. you can't get music anymore. When did that become so um, strict? Because now it's you can't listen to local radio. You, you feel like breaking it. I think a lot of it is that there's they're not hiring really good talent these days. There there aren't a whole lot of people who who can, well, they, who they, can do a lot besides tell the time and and the temperature. Well, you get what you pay for, right? Yeah. yeah. And they're not paying guys like they used to pay Terry. Yeah, and I also think you know one of the th- I, I mean that was a battle I fought all my career, Pantelis, right from the get go. You know, back in '78, you know the guy that hired me said, "Holy fuck, can you talk?" <laughs> he said, "Wow, you can really talk." And, and for years and years and years, all I ever heard was, you talk too much, your breaks are too long. But, you know, as you become more successful, they back off. And they go, like that, you know, Pat said to us, 
I, I don't know. I don't get it, but you know, it works. So we leave you alone. So in the last 10, 12 years, I, I pretty much did what I wanted. You know, I, I didn't, you know, they would come in every once in a while and say, eh, you know, that, that was a little long this morning, that thing you did. And I would say, yeah, it was. And, and just, I just kept doing what I did. Because- what do they have against money? <laughs> More people listening to better shows leads to better money but advertising. What don't they there, understand? There's a lot of research and there's an old school thought, you know, and it's an old school thought because it doesn't, does you know, there's Spotify and there's Apple Music and there's YouTube and there's your library on your phone. If you want to hear Time in a Bottle by Jim Croce, you can hear it like right now. <laughs> Why would uh, I we, wait? We play that on Light 106.7, <laughs> well, by the way. Or you can hear it on Light 106. <laughs> But mostly, you know, just this weekend, a woman saw us, uh, Ted and I were out for dinner, and, and she said, you know, I, I loved listening to you guys. I didn't like the commercials or the music, but I loved hearing you guys talk. Obviously. So, you know, that, that at one time, that became an important thing. You know, you know there was, uh, you know, the, you would play maybe three or four records an hour, but there was always the, you know, the management guys who would say well you know four records an hour our research shows that uh, you could increase your audience if you had eight records an hour and i used to think you know what people people if i'm doing something interesting they you know if ted and i were having fun and having a laugh i didn't look at the clock i mean to be honest as the feedback i get they say great interviews not enough ariana grande so <laughs> it's, it's the same feedback we get <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a strange thing, uh, you know, and it's and it's evolved. And you know, you, you I don't know. Ten minutes ago, you said what? What? When? When did it change? It's it's well, always slowly. It's always kind of been like that. But now you have very young people in jobs they wouldn't have got ten years, twelve years ago, making very little money, who will do everything they're told because they don't want to lose that job and then there's there's probably no room for them to grow well they they, you know you you can't grow if you dive right in at the top you know if you if you if you come out of school and go right on television in montreal toronto you look like you've come right out of school yeah you you can tell you're not you're you're not seasoned you're, you're, you don't have experience. Ted and I had the benefit of being in the industry at a time, you know, and, and to the kids' credit, there's not a lot of places you can go work. You know, like when I was in high school, there was a radio station in Cornwall I could have gone to work at. There's a radio station in Brockville. There was a radio station in Brandon. There's a radio station. There was Char- a radio station on the West Island. On the West Island. Sea Fox. You, you could have gone an intern there. But in, in, when I was a kid, I, Wanted to be in radio so bad, I sent letters to all the radio stations of Montreal. And a general manager downtown said, if you want to come in, and I'll show you the radio station. He was super nice to me. His name was Bill Hambly. And he showed me the radio station, and I said to him, you know, what what do you suggest I do? Now, this this is 1975 or 76, so it was a thousand years ago. But he said to me, Ter, you've got to leave Montreal. You cannot, you will, you will not get hired. Montreal's too big a city. It's too important a market. You've got to go, you've got to leave and go get experience. But today, they want to know if you'll, you know, either work for free or 
work for $27,000 a year. And what happens is if you're a kid, you're like, oh, I'm on the radio. Yeah, you're not thinking. Hey, I, you know, Deep I green. must have made it. And it's like, uh, it's like carpentry. It's like podcasting. It's, it's like an electrician. You, you don't want to, you know, you've, you've got to learn some things before. You don't open you, your own company right away. You apprentice. Yeah. yeah. You, yeah. You, you, you can't wire a house right away. You know what I mean? You, you got to learn at somebody's feet. So that, that era is, is now gone, I think, because the corporations who understandably have to answer to shareholders, that's, you know, Bell and Chorus are publicly owned companies. They, they have to answer to shareholders. Their job is to keep their share price out. So I, my personal opinion, it's just my personal opinion. My personal opinion is their approach is put a bum in that seat for as little as you can. Yeah, you're not building the show around that person. That person's no. there to fill they're in not, the slot. They're not interested. Yeah. They're not interested. They want to run them as tightly as they can because... When I look back at it, from the time I came back from Calgary, the, the, I was hired by Astro Media. They put up a bunch of billboards saying Terry DeMonte is home. That was the last penny that was ever invested in Shom or my show. They're, they don't, all they've done is, is cut people and resources because they keep trying to write, run them tighter and tighter and tighter. It's the, it's the broadcast equivalent, equivalent of Heinz shrinking the ketchup bottle, yeah. right? They, they, keep, they keep shrinking the cereal boxes and, the, and they, they make, keep making the bottles of ketchup smaller so that they can say, hey, this bottle of ketchup's two ninety seven. It's it's a lot less than it used to be at you know at two ninety seven, but that's the way they that's the way corporations think. And that yeah. goes back to the difference between when radio people owned and ran radio stations. And if imagine Gary Slate if he came into town and heard some kid <laughs> kicking the news around the block on, on CJD, he'd Yeah, he'd, be, he'd have a he, I hope his voice would crack too. The president said <laughs> in the news. Yeah, he, he would have no part of it. He yeah. would have no part of it. He would say, well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have happened in the first place. And but you know what? Theoretically, if it did, he would say, get that kid off there and put in a professional. Yeah. I'm not coming to anybody's defense, but you and I were talking in the green room. The whole world is run this way now. Yeah. Right? The, the whole world is, ah, we don't need 10 people. Put four. Let four people do the work of 10. And if people have to stand in line, fuck them. Let them stand yeah. in line, right? That that's that's the way the whole world works now. So radio that was once a creative and artful process mixed with business is now just a business. And if we sound like old guys, crabby old guys, yeah. planning for the good old yeah, days, no. let me just say I'm grateful that yes. I was able to do it during the good old. Yeah, days. Yeah, we had a ball, and it's all I ever wanted to do, and I I did it with, you know. I did it with gusto. I, I I made good friends. I I tried to help as many charities as I could. We and we had a we had a lot of laughs. We had a lot of a lot of fun. It was it was it was exactly what I hoped it would be when I was sixteen and I said I want to be on the radio. It's exactly what I hoped it would be. And it's sad to watch what's happening to it, 
But again, I don't want anybody to watch this or listen to this and think I'm pissing and moaning because I'm not. No, and also you're not wrong. I'll tell you why. Because if you were wrong, then there wouldn't be this alternative media that's exploding, podcasting, right? which is doing what the best radio used to be known for. We're not telling you anything you don't know about having fun because yeah. I watch you guys on Two Drink Minimum, <laughs> yeah. you and Mike and Poseidon. Yeah. You guys are having a ball. Yeah. And but that's why people like it. Cause yeah, well, that's it. Yeah. And it's the same as what we used to do. It's just it's it's just fun and there's a natural flow to it and there's laughter and yeah. and you're not thinking about, Jesus, man, I got to get to commercials or we need to get in another song. Yeah. If I don't tell these guys what the yeah. weather is, yeah. are they going to go out and get wet? <laughs> It's I, so crazy. And I think when this when this podcast drops, mm-hmm. people may have already seen the teaser. They would have, yeah. Okay. And I was explaining to Pantelis, and I hope I can t- I, I hope I can describe this properly. When I started in FM radio in the summer of 1978, I was in a, a rock station in Winnipeg where everybody had long hair. And there was the smell of, you know, I didn't smoke, but there was the smell of grass often coming from a, an office. The music was loud. There were albums everywhere and nobody wanted to go home. We would, you know, I would, I would, my show was from two in the afternoon till six and I'd get to the building at around 9.30 or 10. We'd hang and then at six o'clock I'd come out of the studio and there'd be people still there talking discussing music and somebody would go hey i got an idea let's do this and it was a it was this like really cool you know if you've ever watched wkrp it was kind of like that where people had ideas and ideas came and they got executed and it was like it was like a bunch of artists together it was a very cool creative thing and you could hear it coming out of the speakers you know people would say you guys are having a ball i love listening to you guys that was what radio was like. And when we were here at the studio um, on Friday, when I got here, Ted and I were coming up the stairs and I said to Phil, we get this idea for a promo. And it's like, I want like a picture of the feet going up the stairs. And then it's Ted and I in the elevator. And then, you know, and the elevator closes and then you see microphones and Phil goes, yeah, 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 I got it. I got it. <laughs> know exactly what you're talking about. One hour later, <laughs> like one hour, it's he, done. He calls us into the office and says, hey, guys, come look at this. And I, I was, I'm getting goosebumps telling you the he story. He got goosebumps and I got a lump in my throat and, looking and, at it. And I, w- I was hitting Phil like this on the shoulder going, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> because it's that thing that you've seen online, that thing's like a television commercial. It, yeah. could, it could run on CTV or ABC, and it's exactly what was in my head. And that's what this building that you've put together has is. It reminds me of being 20 years old, hanging out with creative people who are doing creative things and having a ball with absolutely no restrictions. It's, 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 it's really eye-opening for guys like us that have come from a, a structure that was squeezing and squeezing and squeezing and squeezing. And this is, hey, do what you want. Hey, it's you guys. We trust you. That's why I'm so excited for people's reactions to your podcast, to just have 
that freedom and have you back and just feel like, oh, it's like a breath of fresh air. That's what. That's why everyone liked them. That's how these guys became legends. Oh, yeah. I miss that. There's that legends thing again, yeah. Ted. Yeah. Well, it's true. <laughs> did, I ask, lot, ask anyone, did I not say icons? <laughs> hold on, but ask, but ask anyone that's ever listened, that grew up during that time and understands Montreal Radio. It's your voices. There's commercials that are stuck in my head of places because of you guys. It's just how it, it's the truth. It's just how it is. You guys had, you legitimized radio at the time here. Um, people feel like they grew up with you, like they know you. It's all, the morning drive stuff for most people in Montreal because the traffic. You learn to associate with a certain station and and whoever the host is there, and they become part of your routine. So for that to slowly, slowly throughout the years start dying out and now ah, i want to listen but uh, you know by the time i got to work i've been in traffic 50 minutes i heard him for maybe 10 yeah. you know all that stuff people think about it, whether it's subconscious and that's when people start shifting more to podcasts actually let me listen to a full conversation i don't want to have to stop because of christina aguilera let me listen to a yeah. full thing and the shift happened one, one of the nicest things um I, I still haven't done it but i want to put it in a frame one of the nicest things that was said to me um, as I was retiring uh, in the month of May, Mark Cassavy from La Presse wrote a column called, uh, in French, I'm not sure what the saying is, like, uh, boucle au boucle, you know, like a belt loop, like a loop. And uh, the, the basis of the column was um, he got driven to school by his father when he was a kid in high school, listening to me and Ted. And... Now, for the last time, I'm going to be driving my kids oh, with that's... you on the radio, and it's the end of an era. And it meant so much to me to hear that. Um, that that made me it made me happy and it made me sad because he was kind of saying, "That's it. Like we're not we're not going to see that kind of creativity again." And I don't think he was wrong. No, he wasn't wrong. Not the way things are going. There's a consultant named Valerie Geller who's probably the most respected and celebrated radio consultant in North America, wouldn't you say, Terry? I agree. I, 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 had, the, I had the real um, fortune of, of working with Val in Calgary. She has said two things that really resonated with me, and, and the first one will probably resonate with you because I'll bet you guys have heard it from your podcast. She says, the highest compliments you can be paid as a broadcaster, are one when people say to you, "I feel like I know you." Yeah. How yeah. often have you heard that? A lot, a lot. Yeah, I yeah. feel like I know yeah. you. She says that's the highest compliment you can be paid as a broadcaster, and I think that applies to podcasters as well. The other one wouldn't apply to podcasting so much because of the nature of the, of the platform versus radio. But the other one was, I couldn't get out of the car yeah. until you were finished. Yeah. Yeah, that, and we've we heard that. that a lot over yeah. the years too. Like that. people get to where they're going, they get to work, yeah. but they can't get out of the car because they want to hear the end of, this. Yeah. Hear the yeah. end of what they're hearing yeah. on the or, radio. Or I laughed so hard I had to pull over. Yeah, that's that, a good that was one another too. good yeah. one. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So all yeah. that stuff. Why this was jarring to me? It looks like they're just playing. They're shifting it around. I'm going to buy this radio station. I'll sell this one later, and they just cut every single time to the point where who are you going to sell these stations to if they don't know what they're doing? They're useless. No one's listening. One of the things that I've always observed is America seems to be 10 years in broadcasting. America seems to be 10 years ahead. That's what Mike says about Quebec. He says right. uh, the states are 10 years ahead of us. Yeah. Yeah. And what what's happening in America is um, 10, 12 years ago, 
um, Clear Channel and all these big companies started to buy up these radio stations, you know, and fire everybody and yeah. put tapes on. And, you know, they what they were trying to do was... Ryan Seacrest was syndicated right, everywhere. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and they, right. they were trying to set up... Uh, they were setting up a corporation. It was nothing to do with the local communities they were buying radio stations in. And then over the years, uh, Clear Channel and other companies like it found it uh, increasingly difficult to manage them. And they've begun selling them back to uh, local people. And those local people are infusing them with local energy again. If you look at television, and television is another thing. I don't remember the last time I watched a program on regular television yep. because that's another place they've cut all the resources. You know, I used to, you know, watch the news all the time, but they fired all the reporters. So what's, what's, you know, there's no news. So, um, these, these, uh, television stations, if you look just to the South of us, ABC in Burlington, NBC, the WPTZ in Plattsburgh, and even the CBS station in Burlington, They've all injected money into their news packages, and they all refer to their news packages as local 22 news. And they've, you know, they've hired people, and they've got reporters, and they've got people out in trucks. and they're, So it's, it's beginning to turn back. Yeah, because they saw that it doesn't work. Doesn't, the, yeah. the, the other way doesn't work. If, if there's nothing to watch, and you don't want to listen to anything then your ratings go down. And if your ratings go down, your revenues fall. It's, it, you don't have to go to Harvard to learn this. You know what the ownership is of those? Are they small, independent-owned stations that are affiliated with the networks? I, I wish I knew. I, I, I don't think they are. Because, I, because that's the kind of thing that, a, that an actual local broadcaster would do. That's exactly yeah. right. As opposed, to, as opposed to a huge corporation, which would just cut, 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 cut. Yeah, well, that, I think they no, nobody Nobody at corporate headquarters is going to go, I think we should invest in WPTZ in yeah. Plattsburgh. Yeah. But yeah. I'm telling never you, happened. do yeah. you yourself a favor and have a look. Have a look at the, really, yeah, eh? the news packages. The news packages look like our local news used to look like 10 yeah. years ago. Yeah, I remember how our local, I, it was Bill Hoagland, Mitsumi Takahashi. I yeah. remember all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And again, it somehow it just disappeared. But I was so involved in the community because it was, that's the way those places were run. You know, I remember, you know, the, the year the Dakari flooded, you know, the Dakari was flooding and we were in the building on Fort Street. I was on the Dakari. And I... You're a good swimmer. And <laughs> I remember the news director, Gord Sinclair, came into a crowded newsroom because there was lots of reporters. He went, everybody out! Go get me stories! And reporters went out and, you know, the news would start with... You know, Jane is at the corner of the Carrie and Jean Talon. And Our now, coverage begins yeah, with... Yeah. yeah, and now we go to, you know, Bob, who's at the corner of... And Al is broadcasting from next to the ladder where people are... Like, it was... And you knew back then that if the power went out, there was a snowstorm, the Dakari was flooded, you better listen to CJD because they got it covered. And yeah, what they know. would do now is get a shot from the Transport Quebec video camera. Right. And that yeah. would be the extent yeah. of their coverage. Yeah. yeah, they do do that a lot. Yeah, yeah they just take a generic feed and then uh, yeah. sometimes I also see them taking clips from the national news and just using that as the local thing if it's a big story. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, it's so stupid. But you guys in podcasting, are you guys excited about the fact that you're going to get to connect directly again with your fans? Oh, 100%. I, I hope so. I said, you know, it's it, it, to be honest with you, Pentelis, it's, I said to Ted just today, normally when I sit in front of one of these things, 
you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, good morning, it's Wednesday morning on a beautiful sunny day, and I'm thinking to myself, no, that's not what this is. Yeah, different ballgame. And, uh, and it took, you know, it took me just like a podcast or two to get into the rhythm, and then I thought, <coughs> excuse me, um, shit, we, we could just do whatever we want. Yeah, we, yeah, You know, and him and I are now being able to, you know, people used to say to me, Oh, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when you guys had dinner. Well, now you can. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Now you can because basically that's what we're doing. I I said to Ted yesterday. I hope we're not boring the shit out of everybody. Everybody, but you know, we're I know your producer because he's my producer. <laughs> and uh, no, he would have told me. We're we we're we're doing what we've always done, and uh, and now we've got nothing to think about except what we want to talk about, and. That I can't begin to tell you as a, as a guy who's a creative person how that feels and what that means to me. I, I'm uh, really grateful to you and Mike. I really am. Well, we're just excited to have you guys on board. We think it's going to be a, a great time. It's going to be fun. And I'm glad to see you guys like this. Like, no tension, just happy. Because oh. I know that I guess... We're, we're pretty drunk, you know. That, right? <laughs> no, but the thing is, when we met a few months ago... Sidon, <laughs> I remember a few months ago when when, when we had met again and yeah. um, you were still, it was, I think it was at the tail end. Yeah. And also because of the contract, you couldn't even speak publicly yeah. about yeah. what's going on. And I could sense your frustration. You hated being muzzled. So you weren't yourself. Yeah. You had that anxiety in your head and it was I bugging wasn't. you. You're a different person. The last couple of days, you're a different, it's yeah. just the freedom. I could feel you, the free Terry. Thank you, Pantelis. Yeah. I, you know, it's, I didn't. It's not. It's like you said to me yesterday, uh, you, and thank you for saying that. You said, ah, you did the right thing, yeah. right? I, I went out with my head up. You did I, 100% I, did, I didn't, right I, you know, nobody dragged me out of the building. I left the building. It was, it was time. You know, I came to the conclusion that, okay, nobody asked me if I wanted to stay. So I guess it's, you know, it's time to do something else. It is. And, you know, as, as radio contracts, and I'm not just talking about local radio stations. I'm talking about stations all over the country, you know, massive stations, big stations that had big footprints, CFRB in Toronto. Um, you know, um, there's all kinds of them and they're contracting. They're just, they're choking the, the oxygen out of them. When your show comes out, something else is going to contract in uh, those people. It's going to be fun. Their <laughs> <laughs> sphincter. I, I you know what? I, I think there's a lot of people in the broadcast industry who go podcast, modcast. Let them do it. Nobody, yeah, yeah. Nobody's going to listen to it. <laughs> I love that. Because the, the person who proved that uh, theory wrong was Mike here in Montreal. And the way he did it was the funniest when uh, I think there was a broadcaster on the local radio. And the French scene is pretty big, too. Yeah, the, the French scene radio. Like, yeah, and I should quickly, sorry to yeah, interrupt. Yeah. The French scene is a different scene. Oh, it's a there's different scene. There's lots of money. They're not choking it out. There's, no, no, even in comedy, yeah, it's a paying, whole different ballgame. Yeah, What's the money. difference between yeah. a major market yeah. and a medium to minor yeah, yeah. market? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But, so, oh, so what he did was, since they were talking that much shit, he waited and as soon as he had made it, it was a couple of million. I forgot how many downloads a month. He be, it's the it's the basically it's Joe Rogan and then him worldwide when you look wow. at the numbers. So it's it's the number one French language comedy podcast on the planet. So when he had those numbers, he bought the billboard right in front of that station that was talking shit, 
and he had uh, he wrote all his numbers all, and he says look I could afford billboards too now <laughs> it was the best fucking thing and now he's planning another one too because he has like a new milestone he reached so wow. he's gonna attack them again just by buying billboards in front of them so they yeah. have to look at it every morning <laughs> he's great but no you guys this is this is exciting and I think you're gonna get a lot of good feedback I we should so. probably set up an email too so people send you guys so. questions so. and well like yeah, as a matter of fact my wife said that my wife my wife I was talking to her last night and she said why don't you guys take questions? I said, I'm sure there's a way we can Off. take questions well, you can from even, the audience and we, answer them. There's many ways we can yeah. do it. We'll talk about yeah. it, but there's many ways, and I think it'll be amazing. Yeah. It also gives you good content, because then you have a yeah, section. 100%, yeah. Let's take 20 minutes, yeah. address well, all this. You, I was listening to Poseidon's podcast. Was it, was it Poseidon's podcast I was listening to the other night, and they had there were they were referencing people who were... I was going to say, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. going to say listeners, but what do you call it in the podcast? Well, well listeners, same thing. Well, yeah, they yeah. had people online who they were engaging with yeah. during the podcast. Yeah, yeah, you could do it. We have all everything set up. We have a Discord server that we set up, and there's uh, people that sign in. They could talk to you live. They could even join yeah. the broadcast if you want them to. Yeah. We watch movies sometimes on there, and it's all a community. Two people actually, two of our fans uh, got together. They started wow. dating. No kidding. Meeting on uh, wow. that that server. Yes. Yeah, so there's. Do you think I could meet someone? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you gotta hide your real That's self for a while. Yeah, Don't yeah, let yeah. them know the real. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Sounded so sad. Ted. <laughs> but Ted, how did you? How did you go? How did you end up? At, it's the jewel right now that you're at, right? Yeah. Well, they actually, they just rebranded. They're called Light One Hundred Six. Light, light. Yeah. How did How did you get out there? Because it, it's from kind of. I guess Joey Elias' school, that I've started meeting people from around Hudson. I didn't right. even know the place existed before. How did you end up going there? Well, it was a very circuitous route. After I left uh, Shom, I worked at K103 in Ganawage for a couple of years. How was that? That was great. Do they have it absolute was, freedom? Um, no. Uh, they're, you know, they're run by, uh, they have a board. They're a public, uh, public community radio station. They have a board that runs the radio station, a board of directors. And uh, they adhere... Uh, just out of out of um, courtesy, they adhere to CRTC regulations, uh, just to to keep on friendly terms with uh, with Industry Canada. Because I think that's a bunch of bullshit. I think the natives should do whatever the hell they want. Well, you know what? I've always said I would love I would love to get my hands on a signal that I could base out of Ganawage and strike a deal with the Mohawk <laughs> Band Council and say, we want to do a pirate radio station off your territory and make a deal with them and then just do. Whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't even know if you wouldn't need to do that anymore because now you can do this. Yep. You yeah. can do what we're doing here uh, yep. now. But anyway, I was there for two years and I told the story on one of our podcasts. One of the highest compliments I've ever been paid in my life, professionally uh -oh. or personally. No, I'll be able to get through it. Okay. Crying. He cries when he tells the <laughs> oh, story. Oh, I thought now. it was sexual. No, 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 no. no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never been paid a compliment during or after sex. <laughs> I've been paid, though. Yes. I have been paid. I've been on the receiving end of some cash. About uh, a year and a half into my two-year tenure in Ganawage, I was coming out of the local coffee shop one day, and a gentleman and his teenage son were going in, and we said hello and exchanged salutations. And after I passed them, I heard the guy turn to his son and say, that's Ted Bird. He's part of our community now. And that's a pretty high compliment in a very closed and yeah. guarded community and a community that's closed and guarded for good reason. If you know your history yep. and, and that's why I'm saying they should do whatever the fuck they want for yep. him to say that. I thought to myself, you know what? I've done the right thing. Then while I've been here, I've done the right thing. I've made the right choices. 
um, uh, because I cracked that nut, yep. and that's a tough nut to crack. Nicely done, Birdman. Not even, yeah. not even a hint of a not tear. A, not, a, <laughs> not even, the voice didn't even crack. Yeah, give me some yeah. little Kleenexes. And then after two years in Ganawage, uh, there was an opening on the morning show at TSN 690, which, uh, which was a perfect fit for me. I'm a sports fan. I've been a sports broadcaster in the past, and I thought, okay. And they approached me. And I thought, perfect. This is the one that I can ride into the sunset. And they were owned by Astral yeah. at no, the time. No, they were owned by Bell at the time. Okay. Were they? They were owned by Bell, yeah. And uh, so I was there for a couple of years. And then and then Bell made uh, Bell acquired the Astral oh, stations, right. yes. which were right. Shom, CJD, and Virgin. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Bell acquired the Astral stations. And the president of Bell Radio said to me, I know you have some concerns because the astral management team, I know there's some history Hates there. you. I know you have some <laughs> concerns. Don't worry, you'll be fine. And I didn't worry, but I wasn't fine. Because yeah. when the astral management team came in, uh, their first order of business was to show me the door. How did they do that? By, did they approach you and say, there's no chance, get out? Or no. would you like to apologize, Mr. They actually, they actually walked you out of the building, didn't the way, they? Yeah, the way it happened was... That's, they, they, uh, that's unbecoming. They called a meeting uh, of the whole staff... And they said, uh, "Fuck this guy." At the, at the, <laughs> at the staff, no. thank you guys for joining the team, except for you. Yeah, well, basically, it it, all, it sort of uh, it happened that way. At the staff meeting, the the uh, uh, the guy in charge said, uh, "We've got some redundancies. We're going to make some changes. It's not personal. It's just that uh, you know, we're it's just that it's just what it is. It's business." And then he uh, walked over to me, and I was sitting with my leg crossed like this. He walked over to me and went like that on my shoe and said, "Come with me." And they took me into an office, and there was an HR person there, and they gave me an envelope and said, uh, "We are." Uh, I was on contract at the time. I, I was an independent contractor. I wasn't a payroll employee. We're terminating your services. Have a good day. I, I hate that and, corporate and, and the way was, they do it. He was. It was. He did everything but go <laughs> because he was the guy who I called a corporate errand boy. So yeah. this was his. Um, this was this was payback. Time. I like how he did it in full corporate errand boy style. Yeah. Well, you he know didn't what? even try to show you that. No, no. Look, I'm a human being. I'm going to fire you in a humane way. He's like, no, no. We're doing this corporate. Well, listen. It's uh, you know that, that that's that's the way it goes. I so, took I took my shot, and he took his yeah. shot, and and his was the kill shot. Yeah. Is he still around? This guy seems useless. Uh, <laughs> you know what's funny, uh, Pantelis, is we all have different experiences because. I, I had nothing but good experiences with him. Really? Yeah, it's a, the the guy we're talking about, and I, I don't want to drag So is he still around? He's doing he, good work? He's or? moved on to other things, yeah. Is it because he wasn't good enough at what he's he was He's exploring doing? other opportunities. He's, yeah. Huh. He, um, no, he, you know, he ran the radio stations for, you know, a number, the ground? number, no, number of years and, um, and uh, tried to build a nice culture of, you know, uh, French and English together in that building. And um, there was some shuffling that went on, and he got walked out the door. Uh, you know, after One of those karma situations. Well, I, yeah, I, I I don't know if you want to call it that. He but probably got a bigger severance check than yeah, I did, though. And, I would and, imagine. Yeah, these guys. Yeah, it was one golden of the, parachute. One of those yeah. things where you know somebody in Toronto moves some pieces around, and then the next thing you know, it's it's uh, all changed. And and I got to say something. He was for. You know, not for Ted, but he was for us, our firewall between Toronto and Montreal. This so this Tor guy wasn't all bad. No, he wasn't all bad. And when he left, when they when they moved him out, 
all bets are off. The radio stations, get this, when they moved him out and sent him home with, you know, the same way, they, you know, walked him out the door, the radio stations in Montreal are now run out of Ottawa. The boss of TSN, CJD, Shom, and Virgin, his office is in Ottawa. It's the most boring place on the planet. Why would you? It's the town that fun forgot. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly it. So, I, I mean, and this is, you know, he's now in charge of Montreal, I think, in the Maritimes, if I'm not mistaken. I could be. But that's what they're doing. They're They're trying to, you know... Organize it so that very few people have many, many jobs to do. And that's that. That is, it's in my opinion, it's not healthy. It's a good way to drive your share price up, I guess. But it's not. not no, that's the whole point of yeah. the exercise. But it's not sustainable. Right? That's what I hate. Well, it's it's short term. Yeah. It looks good because you just cut off some salaries. Yeah. Hey, look, the the profit margins look better. But long term, it's unsustainable because yeah. less money, less viewers, less advertisers, everything goes and it, down. And again, it's what we you know, it's all over the world. You know, when a hedge fund bought Tim Hortons and Tim Hortons business decreased because the food got shitty. Yeah, that's why. People wonder why. You know, hedge fund bought Tim Hortons and said, "Don't make donuts in the shop. We'll make them all down the highway and we'll freeze them and ship them to the to the donut place." Or as we learned this morning, don't give away napkins at the drive-through. What or, are you doing giving them napkins? Or make sure you serve, <laughs> let them lick their fingers. Sell all the bagels, even the stale ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, it's you know because it was awful. It's eh? you know, and I used to say it's like if you and I bought a butcher shop in Park X. And we fired all the butchers. Yeah. What, what do you know about uh, being a butcher? Terry, get a knife. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a pig? Is it a cow? I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Let's see if we can sell meat. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Do people eat the hooves? I don't know what to do with this. I, I love a good hoof. <laughs> but this guy, he wasn't all bad. How much of an asshole were you? You couldn't get along with this guy who wasn't all that. I was a big asshole, I guess. No, it all went, it all went back to the blog and to the yeah. uh, the corporate errand. I'm surprised boy you couldn't talk about. It. I'm surprised he never reached out and like, look, I didn't know you felt that way. I'm surprised neither of you were able. I, I'm a man that likes to discuss. So if I have a problem with someone and it's kind of vague, sometimes I'll try to meet with them to address it. I think there was too much pride and ego on both sides. I think yeah. when Terry came back to Montreal, I could have picked up the phone and called him, and there might have been some consideration given. Yeah. He could have picked up the phone and called me, and there might have been some consideration given. But, you know, we both too ha- had too much pride and ego to uh, to do that. The good old days. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, after so after he fired me, I ended up at I ended up at a, at a little country station in Ganawage where I worked for free because they didn't have any money at all. So I just you I just, just wanted to do it. I just wanted to do it. So I went and I did the afternoon show, so I didn't have to get up in the middle of the night. And that's where I developed a love affair with country music and learned that we all love country music. We just don't no, all no. know it yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really like it a lot. You know, every song tells a story, and you can sing along to every song. And I was there for a few months, and then the Jewel came along, uh, and that's run by a company out of Toronto called Evanov, which is owned by the Evanov family. Okay. So, so now I'm back in in uh, family radio again, which yep. is good at a small station out in Hudson St. Lazare, and we serve the uh, we serve the, the West Island and the, the Vaudreuil Solange area, and and it's radio the way it used to be done. 
it's a it serves the community. It's a radio station that serves the community. And I certainly am not compensated to the level that I was when I worked at well, the big station. It's a whole different market in Montreal, then. but I'm doing what I love to do and I'm having an absolute ball and I'm very lucky to be employed because of the way the industry has gone. There are a lot of really good broadcasters yeah, out there on the bench can't find work. Yeah. A lot yeah. of shit ones that are employed too, like at CJD. Yeah. But that's a story yeah. for another day. Yeah. Well, those are the ones who are getting <laughs> those are the ones who are getting paid peanuts. And part of the problem with bringing uh, people in directly out of school or directly off the street and giving them good jobs in bigger markets is uh, that they don't have any respect for what they're doing because they think that uh, it's easy. Well, the, yeah, they don't understand that the most important lessons you learn in life are the lessons you learn after you know it all as Harry Truman once said. And when Terry and I were starting out in the business, and even when we started, when our careers started to flourish, we always respected the people who came before us because we learned a lot from them. And uh, Terry will tell you that in his time in that building uh, down on Papineau, uh, no one ever came to him and sought his counsel or his advice or, or or tried to learn anything from him. And Were you a, mean to the new kids? No, he's, he was anything but. <laughs> he's always been one of those guys <laughs> who has extended his hand to anyone inside and outside the industry who needed counsel, whether it was professional or personal. Everybody was always nice to me. And and I reached out like when I when I was in Winnipeg, there was a really popular, famous morning guy there, and I thought, you know what, this guy's really successful. I want to talk to him, and I got to know him very well. We're still friends today. When I arrived in Montreal in 1984, George Balkan was on the radio and still on the radio from when I was a kid in elementary school, and here I was on the radio in Montreal, and I thought. I wonder if George Balkan will talk to me. And, you know, I phoned him at the radio station. I was working at Shome. He was on the other side of the street and the other side of the dial. I called him, left him a message. He phoned me back. And I said, you know, Mr. Balkan, do you, you know, would you consider having a coffee with me? Of course. Of course I would. And, and we became friends, and he taught me a lot. And, and to me, that's, you know, it's like you... you you know, you watch your mother make sauce, right? You you stand next to your, your grandmother or your mother and you watch her put together the Sunday sauce because you want to learn from people who are really, really good at it. Yeah. And that's that's what I did. I you know, I I sought out the counsel of a lot of you know, a lot of these for me they were giants. You know, George Balkan was a broadcast giant at a time, you know, when there was only radio and television. He was one of the country's biggest stars. And he he had coffee and dinner and lunch with me, and he wanted to give yeah. some info. Yeah, yeah. but the was, attitude now yeah. is, I got nothing to learn from these old well, dinosaurs. That's, that's what do they know? Yeah. I yeah. don't give a shit. I like my one of my I, favorite stories is is about is Terry would run into one of the other morning men and a younger guy from an early from from uh, the current generation at Tim Hortons in the morning, and he wouldn't even turn around and say hi to you. Oh, you like were enemies because you were rival stations. We work in the same building. Well, we oh. weren't, you know. I didn't. I don't. I didn't, and don't consider him a rival. But I thought it's weird he would stand right next to me and pretend I was Fog. Does that's, he know who you are? Well, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. yeah. that's but amazing. Yeah, but this is someone who's enormously insecure. But I, I you know, I, I just, I want to say that I understand. You know, Ted, Ted, and I were talking about this on the way here yesterday. He, you know, I said to him. I don't miss getting out of bed in the middle of the night, and I don't miss all all of the 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 machinations of the daily life of the corporate world. But I miss the microphone, and I miss having a place to tell my stories. And 
I'll do that here. So thank you. And you know what? We should tell people so they know. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Standing By, the podcast with Terry and Ted, is available everywhere. Uh, and on this very YouTube channel to catch the video. Are we on YouTube? Yeah. Are we on the YouTube? You're on, on the YouTube. You're everywhere. We're on the tube of you. People can listen to you in the car. They can watch. Some people in the car can watch it on, on YouTube so that they could commit themselves to an accident. Just so but you yeah. know, Terry, I'll probably get us banned from YouTube within the month. So oh, okay. enjoy it while right. you can. If we're not banned yet, I think, well, I think we'll be true, fine. Right? Yeah. We get, a, we get a, lot of, uh, a lot of letters of don't do this. Don't like messages from YouTube, but we don't care. One of the things that I love about all, you know, all of this is the great people here. They're so creative and 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 it's great fun. And at the end of this table, you can't see it on camera. There's a giant bottle of booze there. With the- yeah, <laughs> you know what? To give you an idea, of- I've been sober for 24 years, and it was a good run, but it's over. <laughs> Way to go, Pat! Tell us what do we got there? Uh, oh, it's delicious. This this is like what would you say? I guess I'd call it the uh, Quebec Baileys. Oh yeah, it's maple maple cream. syrup. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, delicious. Yeah. Just gonna... Maple syrup. Oh, you know. Blues? Oh wow. That's, right. You know what? It smells like Christmas. It, dude. It oh, is something man. else. Tabernacle. Give me that. So, okay. And you know what? It goes well with uh, coffee okay. instead of cream. Oh, yeah. I'll bet it does go good yeah. with coffee. Yeah. Or straight out of the bottle. <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, listen. Look, like decisions are about to be made. <laughs> Side. Before <laughs> before we you wrap this up. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I when we came to see you. Uh, I don't know when, when did we come in April or something. Yeah, a couple months ago. Yeah. 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 Before I stepped down, I you, like you said I was wound like a spring and I didn't know which way it was up and I wasn't sleeping. Um, and uh, this opportunity that you've not only given us but you've also what you're walking us through it and bringing your expertise and your viewership and your listeners and whatever you call them. Uh, Ted and I are deeply, deeply grateful to you and Mike Ward. So. Thank you. Well, I'm telling you, Mike's not here, but I was with him in Quebec City. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for everything you've done on the radio for all this time. And we're just happy to have you guys around. And I think there's so much fun ahead of us. I hope so. Uh, a lot of success. And I think I can't wait. I, I think you're going to see new listeners, uh, a younger generation that didn't get to live that. They don't know what real radio was. Right. That are going to get to enjoy you through this podcast. Well, we haven't put Poseidon to sleep yet. Yep. And he's only 28. So I think that there's potential. Yeah. And his attention span. I mean, there's been studies. Science has studied it. Record low. <laughs> Record low. But thank you guys for checking us out. Yeah. All the links are in the description. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.